We are Steel Magnolias, two sisters who love family, traditions, and all things Southern. We've got plenty of room at our table, so pull up a chair. From the Steel Magnolias. Oh, what joy it is to be with you on this special occasion. Um, You're probably among friends and family, or maybe you are hiding away and trying to get some Some quiet quiet. and solace to yourself. But um, we are overjoyed to be celebrating this special occasion. And in fact... Lainey, we love giving gifts, so I brought you a little something special today, and I know we'll have more of our time with uh, family and and friends in the um, coming uh, hours, I guess, if you will, but just wanted to bring you a little nugget. sparkly and beautiful to my fellow Steel Magnolia. How sweet. So well, you guys are going to... I saw this, thought of you. You will quickly see why I thought of ah, you. This is so cool. American South Field Guides. Yeah. So this is a series that um, the Field Guys Field Guide series doesn't just do a broad American South. They do it by city. So Nashville has a field guide. Charleston has a field guide. Um, Very cool. It's such a cool book. It gives you all sorts of little nuggets. It's like pocket size. Yes. And um, got a map in the back of the South. This is super cool. Yeah, I think I think you'll enjoy it because even though we love the South, we talk about the South here on our podcast and just in life, there's always so much more to learn. So always I thought you would enjoy, um, this is great. Some of the, the fun facts. It goes by state. A lot of the, yeah, this is going to be a gift to everyone because it's going to cause me to dive in some directions. I didn't know to dive into. So this is great. Thank you. Welcome. Yeah. One of the things I was surprised in, we'll talk about on a future episode. There were some States that have mottos. I don't know. Didn't didn't know that. So okay. on a future episode, we'll we'll want to dive in to some of those state mottos because there were some funny ones in there. Um, but yeah, there's a plethora of information, and if any of our listeners are um, just wanting some reading for the new year, those field guides that would be something cool. that would be very uh, very easy, quick read. You could put it put it down. You know, if you're a Nighttime reader, and you like to just read a couple of pages. Yeah, I love it. I love the size too, because you really could travel with this. Absolutely, so lightweight. Yeah, so very cool. Um, Thanks. Yeah, so that's available everywhere that books are sold, probably. All right. Um, Well, hey, imagine and think about the anticipation and the excitement that families, children, feel as they're watching the Macy's Day Parade. And they're awaiting the celebrity of all celebrities, Santa Claus. At the end of the right? parade. That's right. So I wanted to share um, a little different um, perspective or way that Santa arrives at a very special area of the South. I wanted to tell everybody, and we wanted to share about the Santa train. Yes. And the Santa train is a train that travels 110 miles every year from Pikeville, Kentucky to Kingsport, Tennessee. Kingsport's part of the Tri-Cities area. That's right. 
And the point of the train is to bring Christmas gifts to a very underserved area of Appalachia. So the 110 miles spans Kentucky, Virginia, Virginia, and Tennessee. All three of those states get touched in this 110 mile range. And I don't know what it is about trains and Christmas, but they seem to go hand in hand. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've yeah. always wanted one to go around the tree. Mom and I've talked about yeah, a lot of to people, go around the tree you know, and do that as part of their, yeah. their decor. Um, you think about movies like the Polar Express, uh-huh. obviously that's centered around train, but even like White Christmas, there's lots of there, train yes, scenes. That's true. I don't know. There's just something that connects well and yeah. seems nostalgic yet just... Yeah. I don't know, just seasonal and, and wonderful about trains. And so this has been going like 76 years, 76 too. years. It's actually funded by different organizations and businesses um, in that area. And I think even across Namely the country. CSX Railroad, though, yes, right? Okay. Yes. Um, and my perception of the Santa train was that it was a way to distribute gifts to just a very poor community. Um, there may be some, I'm sure that some is an very yeah, economically challenged families that do receive gifts from this. But the way it actually started, and I just learned this, was that the um, coal mines and the people that lived in this area so that they could work in mm-hmm. the coal mines. I mean, the coal fields is, is the main employer of this area um, or was 76 years Years ago ago. when this started. Um, Those families did not have access to stores. No shopping malls. Certainly no Amazon, (laughs) but no, yeah, Yeah, no, no retailers, no big box stores, um, hardly any, you know, even you'd think of like a general store. I mean, there's just not much um, available for them to even purchase from. And so the idea was let's send a train through the area um, throw out gifts from the train, and that way those you know families and and people that live in the area can have access, we'll have access. Okay. to something. So Very it's really cool. a way to yeah. thank the people of the area for, for the even work living that they there do for the rural. <laughs> yeah, for for um, you know being willing to live in such a rural countryside. Yeah, and um, oh, it's just such a cool picture of the character of Appalachia. Like mm-hmm. I think of Dolly Parton. Yeah. When I think of Appalachia, yeah. she's certainly done a ton to give back to that community since that's where she um, was raised and lived and still lives. But, um, you know, they bring on celebrities on board mm-hmm. sometimes. Um, I saw pictures of Winona Judd and Ricky Skaggs. And, that's awesome. Um, so, you know, but it's definitely a draw for this community. Sure. They, uh, they don't just... And do they stay moving? Like yeah, it's okay. not That's literally what I was just say. like a, there are certain cities where it, it makes the stop. It does, yeah. and I don't know what those are, but um, you know, there's certainly uh, the word gets out of like a stopping point. Okay, and um, and they're they're looking to give gifts that make sense. Like I saw volunteers walking through the crowd with like new children's coats and okay. they were holding it up like size wise like yeah. yeah so it's not just a random yeah you know blanket is this uh, a school child that needs a new backpack full exactly. of stuff exactly yeah, that yeah. Kind of thing. so um anyway That's how cool. cool of you know this this probably 
always takes place like mid-November. Okay. So it, it didn't happen today. It happened. It'd be so but, fun to volunteer for that. I know. I don't know if that's possible. I would, that would just be love really to see fun. it. I'd yeah. love to just see it Well, we action. have some of our favorite people on the planet are from Kingsport. That's so true. maybe we could make that happen. You know who you are. That's yes, right. That's very true. Yeah. So <laughs> the, um, you know. The season just, I think, really gets kicked off really well with yeah, the Santa train, cool. and Very um, cool. we wanted to share that because I think it 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 just really shows the true character of Southern giving and mm-hmm. um, just embracing those that work in hard places yeah. and live in hard places. Yeah. So anyway, um, well, we wanted to also chat a little bit about something that we love. <laughs> something we love. <laughs> breakfast in the south yes oh so good such an important meal and i would even say you know a lot of the south there was a lot of farming going on in times of old and so um breakfast is a very important meal if you're going to be doing that kind of hard work so um i have said many times in my life something that i think is so funny and that is uh it's not breakfast in the south unless a pig has died that's true (laughs) so sorry i'm an animal lover and if you're you know on PETA and you think i'm terrible sorry but vegetarians can be southerners but it's got to be hard it's got to be hard (laughs) (laughs) or southerners can be vegetarians that's true that's true say that um, so yeah, yes. um, it's, we eat a lot of pork, pork in the south. bacon, sausage. If yes. it's pork, we do eat it even for breakfast. It into so. different recipes and and yeah, that's we, right. So I would say protein. that's that's right. I would say that is a definite part of a traditional breakfast in the south. Is yeah. going to have some kind of pork in yeah. it. And I'm reaching for a cup of coffee. Oh. Because we're, we're coffee drinkers, we're, we're drinking coffee even as we we drink that or as we record this, and I just really think that coffee is a non-negotiable <laughs> with a southern breakfast. Yeah, yeah. Um, you may have your orange juice on the table, or in addition to, but typically, yes. yeah, coffee is a non-negotiable, and yeah. you know we're known for sweet tea drinking. Yeah. That's not going to be served at morning. breakfast. Yeah, in fact. I would even probably go as far as to say a stereotype would be hot tea would probably even be put off till later in the day, like an afternoon tea. Yeah. But coffee is going to be. breakfast must have. Yeah. So definitely, you know, however you take your coffee, that's That's up up to to you. you. (laughs) It varies, but. But a brewed uh, pot of coffee needs to be part of the breakfast. And I would say before I go any further, because this is nationwide, Cracker Barrel started in the Nashville area Mm -hmm. and is, I think, a good snapshot of a traditional southern breakfast i know that it varies even by region but that gives you an idea if you are from elsewhere and have eaten at a cracker barrel what's that menu all day yeah for a reason all day that's right because it's that good you could eat breakfast at any hour of the day that cracker barrels open that good um yeah so we there's a few things that are not specifically southern that i would mention are in southern breakfast and that's eggs served a variety of ways fried, scrambled, poached. Quick question for you. Yes. Have you ever cooked your eggs in a cast iron skillet? Oh, absolutely. Is that, would that be your preference? I love, I have another skillet I like too for my eggs, but if your cast iron skillet is well seasoned, seasoned, it is great Yeah, for, because the eggs won't stick, you know, and it gets that flavor. We've talking about the seasoning, 
you don't ever like scrub down this. It's continually getting seasoned. Right. And so things just taste better. That's There's true. a reason. Okay. We use I didn't those, know if you so. were. Uh, I do like that. Always prone to cook in the cast iron. Okay. Go ahead. Um, yeah. So I don't, must mention biscuits and gravy. Absolutely. That is very popular in the South yeah. for breakfast. Yeah. Biscuits in general, I would say, yes. even with a jam but or jelly, but. Yep. Biscuits and gravy, that's as Southern. In fact, I think of uh, a couple that I know that lived in East Tennessee in the Knoxville area that a couple of years ago moved to Orange County, excuse me, Orange County, California. Okay. Ordered biscuits and gravy when they were out for breakfast. Um, I think they had to describe it to the waiter or there was some confusion because I guess that was off menu. Yeah. Um, but they said they could do it, brought it out to their table, two biscuits with a boat of brown gravy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that sounds horrible. That is not what we're talking about here. We're not talking gravy boat of Thanksgiving <laughs> turkey gravy. That's not I, at all what we're talking about. I would about. love to have seen their face. That's awesome. <laughs> I even know who you're talking about. That's so funny. Well, um, no, I'm talking since we mentioned cooking pork this is typically you've in your skillet you've made your sausage or you've made your bacon now we have this fat yes we've taken the meat out the pork out but we've got this fat and so you're making a gravy yes adding your flour into this fat yeah and making what most people would call a sawmill gravy right and i think a sawmill gravy also usually includes like some type of cornmeal Okay. Yeah. Even just to give it that thickness. Yeah. Um, so I looked up because I was I was thinking about what we were going to be talking about today. I looked up what is I've, I use that term all the time sawmill gravy, but what's why is it sawmill why gravy is it called that? Why, does that have anything to do with anything? It does. So I guess during the early years, like logging camps, like think yeah, about yeah. like lumberjack yeah. logging camps, um, that they were you know there were cooks that would prepare breakfast at those camps. I mean, cause this is probably like an all day sure. um, of work and so hard work. So you need hearty food, you need and very hearty food. So one cheaply of the, cause we're poor. A lot of that's true. A lot of our food came out of poverty as well. Absolutely. So. Um, so one of the common foods was gravy made from coarsely ground cornmeal. Okay. So they, you know, I Put guess that in there, the original uh, sawmill gravy would definitely have, but I just thought this was funny. So, really, the gravy name comes from the fact that these men worked at a sawmill. Okay. And sometimes when the gravy would be coarse and thick, the lumberjacks would accuse like the cooks of substituting sawdust in sawdust there. Ah, that's meal. awesome. That's, that's sawmill gravy. That. So, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's your bacon drippings yeah. or your fat, your cornmeal, you know, some milk and probably some salt and pepper. Yeah. Yeah. So, I make mine with flour more. Yeah. Just with flour. Yeah. But, so, Yeah. And then I put my sausage back in there, you know, so it's sausage gravy, but so good. So good. And I have heard too, when you're, um, if you are making your biscuits from scratch, I've heard to look for less bleached flour. So like a white lily is a really good good brand. Um, so, you know, it usually says on the packaging, you know, it describes it as bleached. And so you're, you're looking for something that's a little less bleached. I do have a recipe that's super easy. I'll just say it because it's so easy. Um, It's called 4321 Biscuits. So it's four tablespoons of shortening, three teaspoons of baking powder, 
two cups of all-purpose, this mentions Martha White or White Lily flour. Okay. One teaspoon of salt and one cup of buttermilk. So you heat the oven to 400 in a large bowl. You're going to cut the shortening into the flour, add those other dry ingredients, mix well, and then you add the buttermilk and knead it a few times, not too much is important. Okay. And and then you're going to roll that out no less than one inch thick and cut the dough into round biscuits. Yeah. Bake for 10 to 15 minutes on an ungreased cookie sheet. So that's kind of an easy four, three, two, one. I'll put that up on our Instagram. If you're not following us, um, look for us at Steel Magnolias Podcast because yeah. we do put some some of the stuff we talk about up there. Um, and a good biscuit cutter is kind of necessary, right? Yeah. Because otherwise, you're trying to shape it by hand. Some and- people use a. Have you ever heard of using a mason jar? You know, just the lid. Like no, people are, but that's resourceful. Perfect. You can use the lid of the mason jar. Just if the you rim. Need to. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just the the metal rim. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. We're very very resourceful in the yeah. south. But very- those are going to be large ones. I have some. Cutters that are different sizes. That's yeah. going to be a pretty good size biscuit. Big, but yeah. um, but if you're if you're cutting it open and serving it open face yeah, with yeah. gravy with your gravy you on want top, that really doesn't even yeah, matter. That's right. That's right. So yeah. that's that's a big part of breakfast in the South. I would say another couple things that are important. Grits mm-hmm. um, are very popular in the South. There's you know I. <laughs> Love those stone ground grits yeah. that are, you know, not the instant ones, but the stone right. ground ones. Um, but yeah, grits. Grits in general with a breakfast are pretty bland though, right? I mean, I just feel like I haven't really given grits enough of a chance. So people go in a couple of directions. A lot of people will do a little butter and sugar to make sweet, make them sweet. Like a brown sugar? You could do brown, but I mean, I've seen people sugar? just straight white sugar. Okay. And then you can also do savory grits that are, you know, have cheese. I would go that route. Smoked gouda up in there. That's what very I, because, nice. Because I do enjoy shrimp and grits. Yeah. You know, which is going to bleed flavor from the shrimp yeah. and spices that it's been cooked with. Yeah. So I would, yeah, I could go like savory. Like a savory route. Yeah. Now, um, one thing that's interesting about grits, you're often making a pot of grits. Sure. And, you know, for me, it's just one person. So sure. now I've made this pot and I'm eating and I've got a lot left over. Yeah. Um, so I have seen people even, you know, once you put that in the refrigerator, it kind of gets real solid. Yes. And so then they'll make cakes out of it, like oh. little, you know, yeah. and then you can just like kind of fry it to make it hot again like okay. just a little bit to make like a little that's a great idea kind of a yeah cake with and your leftover grits and eat on it all week repurposes it yeah. and gives it some a different flavor too yeah yeah so that's another thing now obviously regionally we're going to have lots of variety in foods yeah. um one of the best cities for food in the South is New Orleans. Yes. And they have their own little They've got their own special flair. things yes. of yeah. food. Yeah. Um, I saw a wonderful documentary on Netflix called Commanding the Table. Okay. It was all about um, Ella Brennan, who was in the Brennan family of okay. that famous restaurant, Brennan's. Yeah. Um, I had been to their restaurant that was in Atlanta, but um, okay. they are most, they're known for being out of New Orleans. So Brennan's is where, what's his name, came out of? Emerald. Yes. So that's probably, if, if people don't know Brennan's, they would They'll at least know his, know his name. name. Yeah. Yeah. And now he's got his own yes. stuff going in the South. But anyhow, 
Um, this woman, Ella Brennan, was quite a brilliant entrepreneur. Okay. Um, she came up with Bananas Foster, which many people know is a wonderful yes. dessert. Yeah. But I've seen on many menus, Bananas Foster French Toast. Okay. So, which makes sense because it's already sweet. Why yeah, not put it on some, yeah. t- some French toast or yeah. pancakes? Yeah. I think I've seen it on pancakes. Yeah. So... That's something that you might see in a menu yeah. on the South. And we have pecan, a lot of pecans, so people are going to throw that in. talking about French this. toast. And, um, one other thing I thought was so cool about that Ella Brennan, she came up with the um, idea of a jazz brunch, which lots of places have jazz brunch, but that was True. her idea Okay, of get, bringing the jazz of New Orleans into the restaurant to wow. entertain her eaters. Wow. Um, Probably so. makes them stay a little longer, drink exactly. a few more mimosas. That's right. Or yes. Bloody Marys. That's yeah. right. So, yeah. yeah. That was um, smart. Very smart lady. So that's something you might see. Beignets are very oh, so popular good. in a French influence place like Cafe du Monde, and yes. their wonderful strong coffee and beignets. And so there is a southern chain called Holler and Dash. Yes, I believe it may even be out of the Cracker Barrel family. It's somehow I think it was a guy that started tied. it, and then Cracker Barrel got on board. With, okay, it's a small franchise. I think yeah, now. there's Birmingham, Nashville. I don't know what other cities have it, but a um, little fancier she-she. They do beignets and very well. Okay. So if you can't get to New Orleans and you're close to a holler and dash, definitely Give try their beignets. They good. are over the top. So good. Yeah. And a few other things I had down for breakfast in the South. You may see chicken and waffles. I know that's not a exclusively Southern thing, yeah. but... Um, definitely something you might see more on a brunch menu, yeah. maybe, than a yeah. true breakfast. Cornbread and buttermilk. This is something I <laughs> yes. don't like. Yes. But our mom like literally crumbling does. up crumbling up cornbread in buttermilk. Into a cup of, like a glass, a glass of buttermilk. Yes. yes. That's something you may see somebody eat. Yeah. As a young South. child, I just, I, I can almost still taste how vivid this memory is, but I didn't know that buttermilk like what that was. And so I, as a young child, I saw a gallon of milk in the fridge and poured me a glass and took a big, so thick. You didn't know. Did you think this is really thick? No. Okay. You know, I mean, when you're young, maybe you're just not paying attention. I don't know. You're just just totally oblivious, but I did not notice anything different until I took a huge gulp and I think I spit it out. I mean, that is, that sounds very traumatic. Awful. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to not realize. I mean, that's, yeah. I'm so grateful for buttermilk when I'm frying chicken or, you know, making certain recipes, but I, I don't drink it. I, oh, I no. Can't no. drink it. But so. there are some, there you're are right, some that, that love that and that would, would definitely put some cornbread down in that. We, uh, you'll see greens served in various mm-hmm. ways in breakfast. <laughs> yeah, we, we do Collards, get our greens mustard, in. greens. Yeah. So we definitely do. <laughs> that's on the side now of yes, some other. <laughs> gravy and to entertain our vegetarian friends we'll throw in some greens um they're probably fried in bacon fat but that's you know or have a hog jaw in there (laughs) they're definitely fried in in bacon um and then i would say also um we have some lovely fruit especially obviously in the summer peaches lots of berries and you'll see that incorporated in breakfast with you know yeah in variety of ways a on your peach parfait or, yeah, yeah 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 um people yeah. put that on their oatmeal or their yogurt 
That's true. I love berries. Yeah. I mean, the farmer's market is just more fun, I feel like, in the in summer. In the summer, absolutely, with tomatoes. And, yeah. Oh, you would see that. Just cut up tomatoes next to eggs for That's breakfast. That's very true. People do that all the time here. Just sprinkle a little salt on it, yep. cut right into That's it. That's right. I wouldn't probably do that, but I've definitely seen yeah. that on a southern just, breakfast yeah, table. That's right. Just sliced tomatoes. Yeah. Um, you know what we should mention? What's that? We mentioned sausage gravy with your biscuits, but in our family, if you were just having a sausage oh. patty on a biscuit, you had mustard on there, yellow mustard, not fancy mustard, no, just a your yellow basic mustard. yellow mustard, yes. French's, whatever brand Still you like. It. Yeah. It just, that tartness with the sausage is a wonderful addition. It just brings out all yes. the good flavor. And the only other thing I had jotted down was sorghum. You would see that mm. possibly instead of maple syrup or as, you know, we use sorghum in different ways as sweeteners. and um, But that's something I think is more Southern. Yeah. I mean, sorghum is li- it's like a molasses. Like I think it in the grocery store, it would actually be near your, near the honey. Honey and molasses. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess it depends on the store, but Sorghum is, um, it's just a, like a thick syrup. It's, um, the reason I think it's popular in the South is it was a, a less expensive sweetener. Okay. I mean, we've, we've mentioned. A lot of our things were because of that reason. a few times, yeah. I mean, resources were limited, um, and, you know, probably still are in many areas. And so, um, the, sort of the different, what am I trying to say? Different chefs, I would say, mm-hmm. really love this. I've seen Sean Brock and Edward Lee. And Edward yeah. Lee that they love this because, you know, it adds a lot of, like, what they would say it's depth to what you're cooking, um, even more so than honey. And it's it's just a cereal grain. I mean, it grows tall like a corn, if you've ever seen, like, cornfields. Mm-hmm. I mean, imagine the, the How height. tall that is. And so... Um, you know, it's harvested in um, really dry areas. It's actually from Africa. Okay. So you'll still see it um, if, if you are traveling over there. You would see it, um, you know, prevalently over there. But it's a popular crop here as well. But it's it's used for more than just a sweetener. Like, you know, it can be used as livestock feed. Um, we have a lot of things that are sometimes used as that, too. Yeah. And so... Um, Anyway, and I think it's even making its way into, like, the gluten-free market, which is very popular because, um, I don't know, now I'm getting into over my head, but um, anyway, sorghum is is definitely a good sweetener that is a little different than honey. So maybe you just get some and try it with the recipes you're already doing. Yeah. You know, just to try a little something different if you want to experiment. Yeah. And that's just scratching the surface of breakfast in the South, but I think that kind of gives a snapshot. Obviously, different regions do different things. We mentioned red-eye gravy before. Yeah. There's lots of different things you might see, but that gives you a kind of a snapshot. Well, and a lot of this that we're talking about, it does take some prep work. So I'm I'm even thinking through, like, if you've got guests over, you probably aren't going to want to be up at the crack of dawn, you know, cutting out handmade biscuits. Mm -hmm. But one of the best ways, I think, to have a Southern breakfast ready for guests is 
a breakfast casserole. Oh, throw it all in one dish. You throw we do it that all too. in one dish. The you night before. It, you, yeah. So this would be eggs, cheese. Uh, I usually make it with sausage. You're pinching and crumbling up like a white French baguette sort yeah, of bread or something to absorb the egg. Um, some salt and pepper. Um, but you would let it's hearty this, and it's quick. Yeah, if you it's would already this, mixed up the right. night before. Just you know, let it set overnight. Um, that's a must. Like you, can't, yeah, because that bread's got the eggs got to soak up in the bread. You do have to prepare in advance, but it allows you to have something already ready that can be baked. It t- usually takes like an hour or so to bake. Yeah, so you. But that frees you up. Set that coffee pot Mm -hmm. to make the coffee. To visit (laughs) with your guests. And then you get to visit. Yeah. And I think even there's a lot of um, tradition around Christmas breakfast casseroles. Like we do that in our family. There's recipes that are even call their breakfast casserole like Christmas casserole. Yeah. Christmas breakfast casserole. So anyway, I was just going to suggest that just in knowing that, you know, a lot of times, even if you don't have guests, even if you're just wanting to create a hearty breakfast on a Saturday morning, but you don't want to be up all morning, um, spending the time in the kitchen, that's a good way to have something ready to go. That's very hearty and that you can eat on for days. It makes a good, good size serving. That's wonderful. Um, you know, you mentioned, Fruit, I did. Really more in terms of the summer months and the seasonality of that. Yep. But there is... Something we're known for Something in the we're South. known for that involves fruit that has gotten such a bad name, such a bad rap. Um, I, I almost feel bad for the fruitcake. The fruitcake <laughs> of the holidays. Well... <laughs> I'm not a fan, not so either. I have to say that up front. We're going to talk about this because it's Southern. You but have this, to talk about a fruit cake on Christmas. And that's typically candied fruit. So we're talking mm-hmm. not fresh fruit, but candied. Yeah. Um, and so, and lots of nuts, which we also have a lot of in the South. Yes, that's true. And so I think that's why this became popular. Okay. We're very resourceful. We don't have a lot of extra money. So we come yeah. up with these ways to yeah. reinvent. And I'm sure that candied fruit looks really, you know, it does look pretty. It does. When you bake it in a cake. Yes. And many of them will have red and green cherries on top. Yes. And so it's very festive looking. Yeah. Um, But there's some people that really love it. I've heard people say, oh, you just haven't had a good one. That's true. I've heard that a lot because I've had a lot of dry. It's the dryness that gets me every time. So I wanted to mention a couple of places that um, supposedly theirs are really, really good. Now, again, I'm not a fruitcake fan, so I'm just going to tell you what others say. Okay. (laughs) And, Larbeth, I think you found one as well. I found... I found one that claims to be the fruitcake capital, but oh. it's not the same as the one as you the found. Ones I, so okay. I don't know if this is a known rivalry or if we're just stirring <laughs> the pot. <laughs> well, we'll just tell you what we found yes. in our limited research. Um, Southern Supreme is the name of the one I found. Okay, where is um, it? Bears Creek, North Carolina. Okay. And I looked it up. It's about 40 minutes west of Asheboro. Okay. All right. So... Theirs is called Old Fashioned Nutty Fruit Cake. And what I thought was interesting, this woman who started the company, her name's Berta Scott, and she was a hairdresser in that town. Mm -hmm. And in the 1980s, she would make her fruit cake for her clients for Christmas and serve it there in her little hairdresser studio. 
everybody ranted and raved about this fruitcake. Okay. And so she, in a time of need in 1990, needed to make some more money. So she started a business out of her sister's garage. Okay. And they have since, no, I'm sorry, in 1990 was when she got a building to do this out of instead of doing it in her sister's garage. Okay. And they've added on eight times since. Whoa. Because it keeps getting so, you know, bigger and bigger. Whoa. So they make 215,000 pounds of fruitcake each year. 215,000 pounds. Okay. Um, and her saying is, Southerners love nuts, so there's very little fruit in hers, but lots of nuts. I would agree with that. So that would be my I taste might want to try hers just because that sounds better yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, but that was one what's, of the ones I found. So what's the name of the bakery again? Southern Supreme. Southern Supreme. Okay. There you go. Well, I'm, I'm sure one. they ship, right? I don't know. If... Good question. I don't know. Because, I mean, I would when are we so, going to be but... in that area? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not, but <laughs> if they would ship, I'd be willing to try it. Well, I found in the small town of Claxton, Georgia, okay. that there's two bakeries that Ooh. make more than 4 million <gasps> pounds so this might be of fruitcake each year. This so is this is the, the big dog. This is Claxton Bakery. As we would say in the South, the big dog the big on dog. the porch. Yeah. So both of the bakeries in town say that Claxton's the fruitcake capital. Okay of the world, despite a similar claim by a company in Corsicana, Texas. Okay. So anyway, those that, uh, the bakeries that do this, that make fruitcakes and are really, you know, pushing that as one of their sort of front forerunners or whatever, clearly they're prideful of it. Because That's right. Well, Texas, you know, first of all, I'll say I've never met a person from Texas I didn't like. That's so true. I love my Texans. But they think they do everything bigger and bigger better. Bigger and better. <laughs> and pecans are so popular out of Georgia that I'm thinking I can see how they would be the capital. Yeah. That somewhere in Georgia would be the capital. Yeah. But keep going. Well, I, th- I think this uh, bakery's been going since 1910. Okay. In Claxton, Georgia. Right. So, um... You know, it would be any of these, it sounds like, would be worth at least trying because I have not sampled any of these. And so if they're selling that many pounds, thousands of pounds, millions of pounds, uh, it's got to be good. Oh, and one other thing I should say, many fruitcakes have bourbon in them. Yes, that's true. I I wonder why why you say that. The the one you mentioned was the old-fashioned nutty cake. Yeah, I don't know if that's meaning old fashioned as in bourbon okay. or just old fashioned as in doesn't that sound cute that's that true. it's old fashioned. That's but true. anyway. <laughs> um so yeah, I would say that would be another reason that that's popular, you know, in the south is using what we have and bourbon makes everything taste better if that's you ask true. me. So, um but one place I have visited but darn it, the gift shop was closed and I didn't get to try the fruit cake was this place in Kentucky called Abbey Gethsemane. And it was built in 1848. Abbey as in an abbey, like a, a Catholic. A monastery. Monastery. Okay. Okay. Monks live there. Okay. Um, and it is absolutely beautiful. It's called Trappist, Kentucky, 15 miles south of Bardstown. We've been to Bardstown. Yeah. Okay. And so, but it's 15 miles is what uh, I've looked on the map, but it's 15 like country miles. I mean, this is not a place you would just happen to be driving by. 
Um, Which is probably intentional. Lovely. Exactly. They're wanting to be secluded. They're wanting to have a nice, beautiful, quiet space. Yeah. In fact, there's hiking trails there. Um, You can do retreats there um, for weekends or even weeknights and stay on the property. Obviously, it's very modest, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, twin bed kind of accommodations. Mm -hmm. But they do silent retreats. I have heard of this. I've heard of the silent retreat. So for... Anywhere from, I think, like 48 to 72 hours, yeah. somewhere in that range. I mean, you are not, not talking. speaking. You yeah. are not checking in with home. You are not. Yeah. So it's an interesting concept. Mm-hmm. A lot mm-hmm. of people like to go and, and have that quiet. Um, and they even have, yeah, there's lots of different, you know, there's masses you can go to because it is sure. a Catholic um, monastery. So um, I went to a mass and got you to see did. the property, but but the gift shop was closed. And so wow. I was bummed because they're known for their fruit cakes and fudge. Wow. And you can um, look this place up. I didn't write down their um, email, but I mean their website, but it's Abbey Gethsemane in Trappist, Kentucky. And, and you can order online if you want to try one of their fruit cakes Trappist, or Kentucky. their fudge. Okay. So that's very interesting. interesting. Um, that sounds like, uh, you know, we've mentioned some good bakeries that I might want to ship to me to try, uh-huh, uh-huh. but that sounds like a full experience. I'd actually like want to go. go. And you know, just another reason to go to Bardstown and go to some of the bourbon distilleries that are mm-hmm. nearby. Lots mm-hmm. to do if you're, you know, in a drivable proximity to Bardstown. True, it's a cool place to visit. So you might want to add Abbey Gethsemane to your. That's cool. How uniquely Southern. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. So, so wanted to mention those for fruitcake lovers. And fruitcakes can be shared year round. So we are, we're at Christmas, but that's not to say that these are only available at Christmas. I think it's not pretty candied fruit that makes it feel Christmassy because it has that pretty look too. Yeah. Serving it on your table, but you could do that anytime. It might even be fun to show up, you know, in the spring with a fruitcake. <laughs> Throw everybody off their uh, You know how people do Christmas in July? That's true. You could have you your could do that. fruitcake in July. <laughs> show up to the next church potluck with your fruitcake. Um, well, you wanted to mention a um, couple things. One, our beautiful picking at the beginning and end of our podcast is done by Rob Ikes. Yes. And he is going to be, I'm so proud of them, they get to play the Grand Ole Opry at the Ryman, the home of the original Grand Ole Opry. Where you'd want to hear it. That's yes. right. So they're going to be playing on January the 5th. Okay. Um, at the Ryman, he and Trey Hensley, they Rob Ike's Trey Hensley, yeah, yeah, together. So check them out if you're able to get um, over to the Ryman. Okay, tickets are on sale now. I'm sure, yeah, and you can hear more of his beautiful picking music. So that wanted seems, to mention that that seems like the right venue to see him in. Yeah. So I would, lo- I would love to do that. If anyone wants to gift me some tickets, <laughs> that's <laughs> right. That's right. We would love to go. <laughs> And then I had something, I just, it's Christmas. And so I just wanted to read a little something Christmassy. So settle in with a cup of coffee or if you like hot tea, that's your preference. Or if it's more hot cranberry drink from our prior episodes that you've made for your family or or yourself today. Get get settled into a comfy place um, in your home or if you're in your vehicle 
just quiet yourself to um, enjoy this last bit of Christmas cheer we wanted to share with you. So this is from a book called The Merriment of Christmas that Lifebook put out. And I just wanted to share this with you guys. The magic of Christmas is a powerful magic indeed. It transforms ordinary city streets into fanciful avenues of multicolored lights. It inspires the tone deaf to join in merry carols. It can soften the heart of a Scrooge. Christmas magic reunites scattered families, causes perfect strangers to greet one another, and fills up the churches. And the magic continues to work season after season. (laughs) Miracles happen only to those who believe in them, says an old French proverb. At Christmas time, people enjoy being credulous. The very atmosphere tingles with anticipation of wishes that might come true. At Christmas, man recaptures some of the lighthearted faith of childhood. When it was easy to believe in Santa driving his reindeer across the skies. When it was even possible to hear, if you listened really closely, the faint jingle of his sleigh bells in that endless night of waiting for Christmas Day to dawn. For this is a time of anticipation. Excitement builds as each new sign of Christmas appears. Store windows are decorated. Spruce and fir trees make forests of parking lots. Salvation Army bands play. Carols on street corners. The community tree glows in the courthouse lawn or village green. In schools and churches, rehearsals begin for nativity plays and oratorios. In homes, Christmas cards are addressed, parties planned, cookies decorated. As Christmas Day draws nearer, it seems that almost everyone is waiting for something. For the snow to fall, for the arrival of the exciting annual package from relatives far away, for the thrill of bringing home the Christmas tree and rediscovering in the attic or hall closet beloved Christmas ornaments. Now is the time when children reveal their impossible desires. Little girls are not afraid to ask for ponies. Little boys dream of spaceships that will really fly to the moon. Even sensible adults are caught up in the spirit of what might be. A vision of perfect family happiness is part of the season, and they plunge willingly into all sorts of preparations and plans in order to give this priceless gift on Christmas Day. Well, thank you for welcoming us into your home on this special Christmas day. We look forward to more time with you in 2019. Yes. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.